Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the White Pube podcast. My name is Gabrielle Delapuente. And I'm Zarina Mohammed. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing something new, a little different. We realised that we started the White Pube podcast years into the White Pube. So anyone listening to the podcast might not realise that we have like buckets of texts that you've not heard before. Um, So we're going to start a new series. We are going to be revisiting some of our older, spicier texts and reading them out, but then also having a little discussion. Yeah. And reflecting on, like, I don't know, do we still agree with what we said? How do we feel about it? Would we say anything differently? Do we have anything to add? And how was the response to that text at that time? Gossip. Context. It's going to be... An extended throwback Tuesday with dire- the director's cut is what we're doing. The it is the cut. director's cut. I'm excited. So the first episode is going to be a text that I wrote called Why Museums Are Bad Vibes. I published it on the 17th of November 2019. And it was actually one of the, maybe the final text I wrote about art. Um, a bit of a goodbye when I had simply had enough. Um, I'll read it out and then we will get to the discussion. Okay. It's very short. A quick rant, if I might, because I actually can't bear going to museums anymore. So much is getting in the way of me having a good time. I'm like, nah, museums are bad vibes. It's just old stuff in rooms. What's the big deal? I hear readers of a certain look droning at me through the internet. With most UK institutions, it's calm to start with. I think, cool, this is government funded, it's ours, and that's what gets me over the threshold to see the culture things inside. But on entering, that nice image is replaced with busybody staff excited to police the bags and behaviours of anyone, asterisk, who's braved their way in. And then in brackets it says, by anyone, I mean anyone but the roots of the world. God forbid you answer a phone call in a museum. Uh, Cafes are expensive. There's nowhere to rest before or after the whole slog. Not enough seating in general. And while the building might be accessible, many exhibitions aren't. Recycled air is gross. And the temperature never makes sense for the time of year. And that's just visitor experience. When we get to the art permanent collections you know the stuff on the walls that never changes are boring i don't want to see old paintings of people i don't know beside abstract art and a shitload of boats permanent collections have to be free because they are bad but please free yourself of their permanence and get a new energy i beg Ticketed shows are never reasonably priced and these big blockbuster exhibitions advertised on public transport just show the same people, things and conservative ideas on rotation. Bad and stagnant like Tory chat. Why are we brainwashed to think we have to go whispering around these exhibitions in order to keep our finger on the pulse when what pulse does Andy Warhol even have? He's been dead for time. I'm over going to museums to look at important things that don't align with what I really enjoy. I can't with shuffling from cabinet to cabinet, pretending to read the captions. I should have stayed at home. Daytime TV is more engaging. This text is a moment to punctuate, release, and to explain where I'm at. I'm not sorry for the knowledge that stops me enjoying the museum experience. I'm grateful to be here distrusting their activity. So much is stolen colonial property that museum directors now feel is their legacy to keep holding on to. Mad. So much is art acquired by people back in the day who made their money off the slave trade and other exploits. Even art that's arrived from other people's collections makes me feel iffy. Because, wow, shouldn't we be grateful the billionaires have let us spend time with their belongings, ooh-ooh. 
contemporary artists whose work is involved in these processes don't get rental fees slash royalties like musicians and authors. The work acquires value without them, and the people who benefit most from that rising value are, of course, the billionaire club collectors. I can't go to museums without thinking about money, the white powers that be, and the wider working environment. You know, they exploit volunteers, use zero-hour contracts, don't look after public-facing staff who are on the front line for an absurd amount of abuse, and generally only hire marginalised identities in the gift shop, kitchen, security and cleaning teams. Be careful mentioning unionising. These are the bad vibes I'm talking about. Oh, it's so nice you have an educational wing. Await the opioid crisis causing Sackler family paid for it. Get to fuck. White Illuminati curatorial departments of Alistair's and Susan's and their boring personalities only curate whiteness because that's all they recognise as being qualified for exhibition status. An aesthetic, quote, constructed to justify and perpetuate colonialism as Red Praxis tweets. BAME, LGBT, disabled and working class communities have wide, diverse, actual cultures that aren't seen as worthy of collections. And if they are subject, it's through the lens of the white middle-class curators working out their own subjectivities on marginalized bodies violently. I see you all programming public talks about diversifying the museum in order to buy yourselves more time. I want to ask, how long are you planning on keeping up the charade? I guess it's cheaper to throw a speaker fee at the problem instead of a full salary. Cheaper to pay an underrepresented creative two hours to run a workshop instead of commissioning them to do something substantial. There's an endemic right now of museums and galleries being made up with themselves for hiring a woman of colour, for example, as curator in residence or visiting curator or temporary maternity cover, and from all reports, reaping the good, good benefits of looking diverse whilst treating that individual with no respect whatsoever because they are different. They can't really complain because we're hiring them and they'll be gone soon anyway, so who cares? It's fucked through and through. Directors and curators, these problems are new to you. Critics, artists, visitors and good staff raise them on the daily. So it's not that you can't change things for the better, it's that you simply choose not to. As these aren't problems for you because of who you are as people. Opaque, evasive, disinterested. You don't ask us what we want to see or how we want you to be because you don't care. The whole shape of the box and everything that's in it is just not conducive to the aesthetic experience I want to access from museums. I learn more from Twitter threads anyway, and I feel enough from video games to do without. Why would I give you my visitor number? I don't want to be seen near you. I want to stay away. I want to boycott, protest. It's the end of the decade, and I don't know how else to say this, but I'm done. Breaking up with museums, finito, my legs and eyes are closed. So long, farewell, or fidesane, good night. And breathe. <laughs> it's a good text. That was good. Like, I don't mean to sound, <laughs> I don't mean to sound surprised. Like, obviously it's good, you're like, my favourite writer. But like, you know when you go to a concert and you're like, I love this one, track seven, or oh, but, but like, that's how I felt just now. Like I was at a concert and waving my arms, lighter in the air. Like, that's a bop. It's mad, isn't it? It's like, I really, I, if you've been following <laughs> The White Peep for a long time, you might know, if not, you won't. Like, we wrote about art and only art for years. And then in 2019, I bought a Nintendo Switch and I reviewed Breath of the Wild, the Zelda game. And I was like so blown away by it and I'd forgotten how amazing games were and I just thought, oh my God, like... I I compared the experience of playing a video game like that to going to Tate Liverpool and I just thought, this just doesn't compare. Like, I really, I'm so over it. I'm not convinced. And I felt like playing a game for the first time in years just like broke the spell or something like we've been art critics and 
we were starting to be like embedded in all these different galleries and museums and I just thought like oh my god I just don't care like I just don't care and I've just remembered and I can't believe I thought I did care and I'm over it so this text was like this moment where I was basically saying I'm not writing about art anymore I'm writing about games and this is why and I did and I didn't know that then like a pandemic was going to (laughs) happen and all those museums would be closed anyway and the only thing I would have left was games so like I was very I was setting myself up very well by accident you might be psychic yeah I might be psychic (laughs) um it's crazy and now I like I I haven't even read my old art texts because I've just been so done with it all and reading this like reminds me why (laughs) well now you've read it back with hindsight distance you're at arm's length from this text in terms of like time and also subject matter how do you feel reading about it like reading about you writing about art I agree with myself um I think I I like grew up loving to make art I just lo- I thought I was convinced I was going to be a painter. But I was just always thought like art was the one. And then went to art school. Was still really happy about making art. But I think like because you love making art, you expect yourself to love going to galleries and museums by default. And then I started to write about how I don't think I love going to galleries and museums. And like there's something confusing and strange about like the... <laughs> the white cube um aesthetic and this like whole performance of going to a gallery and like I eventually stopped making art to write about it instead because I then realized like I just really enjoyed writing and um as a as an art form and I think this text is like is all of those years of confusion just like boiled down to one one text it's so short as well like we we write things now that are like two three four thousand words and this is so so tiny like just because you like making art doesn't mean that museums are right like they're not the right they're not right none of it feels right I was thinking about it now during a pandemic like when things are starting to reopen again like I'm not excited to go to a museum it's not something I've missed and to go to one now would be such a strange experience because like (laughs) it sounds so so trite but why would you put so many paintings in one room like I it would be so overwhelming it it has in the past made me just dismiss all the stuff in there instead of taking any one thing seriously or spending a lot of like time or trying to have a connection with a painting or a sculpture whatever it is like why is there so much stuff packed in those rooms why is there not one thing per room so that you actually like look that you actually see it, you actually think about it. I think going to a museum now would just be a joke because I would be like, this is badly laid out. I don't know, stop it. Like this salon hang that people have been doing for like centuries, like Mm. just stop it. It's not a good format. Just just whittle it down. I dare the National Gallery. Is that a museum? The National Gallery is a museum, isn't it? Oh my God, my brain. Yeah. (laughs) I dare the National Gallery to just like put everything back in storage and just put like one thing in each room and then ah. change it you know like the next day change it the next day and then just keep changing yeah. it that's a really that's a really good point and you know what i'm glad that you made that point because that has never occurred to me that's a brand new thought that you've just put. it's such a good point that's such a good point and i'll tell you why obviously you know why because, but because that Salon format popped out in, like, what, the 1800s Regency period, right? Back then. Back then when they were, like, doing things. They didn't have phones then. They didn't have laptops. People didn't put things on billboards, yeah? You were lucky. If if someone, if something life-changing happened, right, across the world, you'd find out about it in two to three years. You simply would not know if, like, like you know, like... It, it just, the news didn't happen. Images, you would, 
if you saw a painting back in the like the 1800s, 1700s, you'd shit your pants because you're that's still witchcraft to you, you know? Like that's bonkers, that's nuts. But now I see about five million images a day and they're all horrifying. <laughs> I, I see too many. What I need is like isolation, sensory deprivation, and maybe like one really good image, you know? Like just... You need an edit. You need them to be editing this stuff. Yeah. Like the issue is we go to National Gallery or one of the many shit tates, like the stuff that's on the walls is there and five years later you go back and it's still there. Yeah. And just change it up. Can you imagine if they did? If they did change it every day, like there was a new painting, it'd be like a supreme drop. People would be like losing their minds, going crazy. About like, which one is it's it be today? like, I need to go. It's the Van Gogh. I need to go and see it, otherwise I'm going to miss it. Yeah, people yeah. would book their train tickets to come down to London being like, it's my favourite painting, I've got to go experience this. It'd be such a moment. It'd be such... Oh my God. It's not going to be there for another two years. Like, I need to see it on this Wednesday, the 5th of whatever. Like, I need to see it. <laughs> Inject scarcity back into the picture. More scarcity. Make things special again. Gaslight gatekeep girl boss. <laughs> they need... That's what the Tate needs. Tate Britain, if you're listening to this Alex Farquharson, which you probably aren't, if we're completely honest. You probably aren't. But I hope oh, you are. It's like, so there's, there's the art sides of this. Like, I very much still agree. Like, I'm, I don't want to see portraits of people who I don't know on walls... The stuff in museums, like, it's just not, it's not selling it to me. It's not making me want to, you know, get there. And the stakes are higher now because since I wrote this, I've gone through COVID and long, I'm still going through long COVID. And, like, my health condition now means, like, (laughs) getting to a museum would be pretty much impossible. And staying in a museum. So, like, whatever was there would have to be worth it for me to, like, crawl do you know what I mean like army crawl on the floor like a zombie to get to see this thing like it would really have to be good and it would have to be worth the fatigue crash I had after like it would all have to be worth it and at the moment there is nothing worth it in any museum (laughs) and that's not to say like I'm someone who doesn't enjoy art I'm just saying like I don't enjoy it presented in this way in this in these buildings in side organizations that are like so poisoned that it throws off the whole atmosphere it's not it's not the neutral space that i think they want they want to achieve it's it's like this the 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 politics of these galleries are news headlines now like the way that they treat their workers it's all transparent. We all know it. Things like the Barbican Stories project and protest that the staff have, like, you know, made instances of racism and discrimination, like, into a book and they've shared that online. And, you know, that's not just one isolated instance. Like, it's happening across the country and across the world through all these galleries. Like, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done even more so now in 2022 compared to like when I wrote this in 2019 there's a there's a lot more noise between like the visitor and the art object because we know so much more now about the context I think that's a really astute point or not not astute point that's a really eloquent clean way of phrasing it like it, it the noise between the gallery like the gallery and the work itself and the visitor is just like it's louder because you're right like museums and galleries both at the same time like there's this assumption that they are a container right they're just like a see-through container that lets you see the work for what it is but like in the best way possible right like they're, they're just an environment that they're, they're like completely like you can they don't really exist. You don't notice them. That's the theory. But, like, in practice, they are... <laughs> like, that... The politics leaks into what you're seeing in such an insidious and, like, palpable way if you're paying any kind of attention. Like, it it becomes the subject matter. And I think this is an interesting text for you to write as someone that loves art but hates institutions because 
I think the parts that you identify that you hate are the institution. Like, you you still really fundamentally love art in this text, I think. And, like, you're writing in defence of it. But this is, like, a speed run through every single problem. <laughs> a speed run is an ironic way to put it. Um, I think just in the sense that this is, like, a compact list of all the bad shit, there could be a compact list of all the good shit as well a sister text about why museums work, why they're good. Um, I couldn't write that because I don't believe it. Um, and I just don't, I don't know. I'm not the person to do it. I think what's changed in our writing since then, or in my writing anyway, is like a, a want to find more of a more of a rounded opinion in, in what I'm saying and to allow other people's opinions to inform my my texts um I think the white cube has always just been me writing or you writing and at times it's suffered because of that at times it's also flourished because of of that reason too um but you know there were people who really really missed the museums and the gallery experience over the pandemic especially I wasn't one of them (laughs) um but I wish I'd have I would have understood what people were missing um and if I were to write another text now I think I would try to fold that in so that people felt a little bit more represented um or they felt like you know the tension between me and them in a in a clearer way or like a less so that I was like a less dominant writer um I would also then if I did write a second text have to include the people who are caught in that really in between not of a relationship with museums because just as there were people who didn't care about museums when they were closed during the pandemic just as there were people who really really missed them and were dying for them to be open again there were all the workers who had to protest outside museums like Tate uh, South Bank Centre, Royal Academy, like just to name the London ones, um, in order to receive better treatment by their employers who were the museums and galleries. They were all in a really, really difficult position because they needed real support financially and otherwise through a global pandemic. Um, you know, many of them had probably chosen or aspired to work in, in creative spaces because they had a love for art they loved making it or writing about it or reading about it or just curating whatever it is and then to be faced with like a notoriously precarious industry um treating you like this during a pandemic must have just you know either soured people's relationship with art or written it off completely just just really challenging and challenging stuff and i'm sure you know when there was talk in government and on new shows about um whether or not like arts funding should even be a priority in this sense like of course you would want that but at the same time it's it's all being sucked up by the the big bosses in museums it's not necessarily going to to all of the staff in a fair um equitable way and must have just been a head fuck so like that's the kind of stuff that would need to go into a text now after everything that's happened um, because it's just a scandal and and you know you've got to expect coming out of this for people who want jobs in this industry to like think twice about it and either go elsewhere or really look closely at the contracts they're given um, and the places and the you know the experience of other staff who've been there for a long time like is this is this a place that's going to really look after me or or not because you know I, I just don't have high expectations and all all of that stuff would have to go into an into another text um it's just a fucking dodgy industry i don't know if i'm explaining myself right i'm just trying to think about about how else i'd do it if i was if i was to write about it now no no you are i think but i i, I think that begs a follow-up question which is when you say in this text one when you were writing this and two now do you think that they're bad vibes to like throw the whole museum away or do you think they're bad vibes can we please fix it as depressing as an answer as this is i just think we've got to rip it up and start again 
I, I just don't have faith, to be honest. Like, everyone loves to talk about change and loves to talk about divesting the curriculum and the institution and the program and fucking everything. And then not, none of it happens or it happens in these, like, really sly, meaningless, quick, one-off ways. I just think we have to start again. Um, I don't have faith in the people in charge and I don't have faith that the shape of these institutions um, even allows for change to take place, to be honest. Like, the FAF, the boards, the trustees, the ethics committees, uh, just, I I think it's it's locked in. I, I hate it. And, and I don't think it's fair that workers have to protest to, to try and get these inch tiny inches of changes to to happen um if they're that lucky no rip it up and start again and just actually make that you know that one (laughs) one artwork in one room gallery that we've decided now is is the way to go (laughs) i really think that's a really good idea i can't believe you just slapped it out there so cash like you were so nonchalant about it like that's such a good idea oh yeah and i'll tell you what art handlers would make so much money if they were having to change this artwork in this gallery every day yeah like so much money (laughs) but isn't that like the way it should be like art handlers should make a lot of money because they're the ones lifting putting it in place like doing the actual work right in a way it's true because art handlers are like the ones the only ones who get their hands dirty yeah even though they've got gloves on so this this saying doesn't really work here <laughs> um but yeah they'll put the curators out of a job we'll just put the curators out of a job because we'll just like get some algorithm to to randomize the list of artworks that we show as and when and you know we'll just we'll just let it yeah. let it happen you pre- the, the the museum version of the of google's i'm feeling lucky button like <laughs> That, <laughs> that's the gallery of the future. That's, really that's what it's called. I'm feeling lucky. You just turn up. What will it be? Will it be a Renaissance masterpiece? Will it be an abstract expressionist nightmare? You simply don't know until 9am. Then you walk in and you find out. Yeah. It's just because of the speed of it. There'd be no time to do all the faff. There's no time for faff. Yeah. So we just, you know, on the day of, print off like business card sized information press release bits with the name of the artwork and the artist on and like maybe it's like a sticker as well and you get to take it away with you (laughs) this is or no 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 save on paper um we you get uh scan a qr code on your way in and you get a text with this information on and the stickers the good oh no okay no if you want a sticker we can do stickers (laughs) the, the best idea you've ever had because that sticker then becomes like a little did you see the um sunflowers when they came i've got the fucking sunflower sticker on my water bottle on the back no, of my no, phone no, 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 on no, my laptop no 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 listen listen sticker book so <gasps> yeah you go every day you get your magical sticker that you saw because you were there you got it and then you know you've got your money you've got your lubena and You've complete the collection and you've got it and it's all ag- algorithms and it's magic. The future. This is the best idea you've ever had. You've had some pretty banging ideas. You need to write a new text called This One One Particular Way That a Museum Could Be a Good Vibe. A better better title than that. You know what I mean? I'm really bad at naming text, but like that should be the vibe of the text. How to make museums have good vibes. Our little pamphlet ideas for a new art world should have just been about this because this is better. This is more fun. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like, I just really want to stick a book now. Maybe more than I want this gallery to exist. I just want to stick a book. And yeah. Okay, so you complete the stickers. We've incentivized gallery engagement. We've gamified it. What you get at the end, you've got to get some kind of prize for completion, something like really special. What is it? I think, right, I think you get entered into like a tombola or a raffle, right? Because think about it. There are a lot of people with time on their hands, like retirees, 
what are they doing? So if if you said to them, you get into the sick prize, right? Like they do it. So I reckon you put them in a raffle, and the winner wins a holiday. Yeah, I was really gonna say good. a cruise. Yeah, but like but like a nice cruise, like a booze cruise, like bougie cruise. Okay, but wouldn't would it not have to be like art related at least in some way? I don't know. What, how it could be an art cruise, like maybe you go on the boat and it's like themed. Just I I think you should be able to go on a water slide of some kind, if you go like you know it should be just a really nice prize, all expenses all expenses paid trip to Paris. With with all the art tumblers because they worked so hard this year, they deserve a holiday. This is the end of the podcast. That's it. Short, sharp, punchy. That's our idea. I think that's such a good idea. I have a question for you. Do you remember the reaction to this text? I actually don't, to be honest. What happened? Nothing. People agreed with you. I when we when you told me right. This is sorry if that's underwhelming, but um, <laughs> it was underwhelming for me because when. We booked this in the calendar, recording this podcast with this text. I was like, we're going to spend all the time talking about the juicy controversy, like everyone's comments, like 2,000 comments, like people being like, no, fuck you, I hate museums. Like, I... No one wanted to die on this hill. You even anticipated people dying on the hill, like, in this, t- like, for this text in defence of museums. Like, you say... I hear readers of a certain look droning on at me through the internet. No one did. And I think that's so telling. I think that says loads. Because the people in the comments were just like, yeah, good point, well made. Do you understand how rare that is on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It's really funny. No, I, of course, I understand how rare that is on the internet because we've posted so many reviews and had so many backlashes and stuff. I think this was very much in our era of writing, like, silly clickbait titles if this text had been called Museums Are Bad Vibes, I don't think half as many people would have clicked on it. Um, but because I'd said why museums are bad vibes, people are like, why? I want to know. And also, <laughs> I want to disagree with that. So people click on it. The bad vibes bit as well makes me laugh because it was around the time when I was working on a project with some men who kept calling or like wanting to who kept saying they wanted the exhibition space to be vibey we wanted it to be vibey (laughs) and the word vibe was making me laugh so much (laughs) what are these people on about vibes it's 2019 when vibes re-entered public i think vocabulary as well yeah i think it was everywhere and i don't think i'd use it now like in the same way in a a text title um what would you say then what would you rename it it would be something like why museums are broken something about not as good (laughs) that's not as good though no it's not as good i yeah i don't know it would suit the tone though things were a little bit more careless in the past and now it's just dire in the interest of like having more well-rounded discussions and being nice grown-up critics like you know Museums do serve purpose, do serve a purpose for many people. They're great places to take kids in half term weekends, whatever. Um, we went to the sex museum in um, Prague. We have been to the sex museum. I've also been to the mu- penis museum in Iceland, which was an experience. And in the before times when I'd go on holiday, like I would look up the museums and go to the museums straight away. Even you know, not just abroad, but in different places in the UK as well um and maybe it's just the case of like I could enjoy all those spaces as a kid and then as a foreigner because I'm ignorant to the goings-on because it is the goings-on that gets in the way of being able to enjoy the art sometimes and like maybe we should only ever seek to go to museums in places where we are not familiar with the art scene that's a good point about how like it's better to go in a different country, I think, because then it's like... Well, for me, right, I spend a lot of my time, like, on the fly in London, just, like, one, like bopping from one place to another. 
museums are warm. You don't have to pay to be there. At least in this country, you don't have to pay for, to be in like the main collection bit. There's like a free collection and they're warm. They are, uh, I was about to say comfortable, not really. But you can like, you know, there's, there's normally a seating area. You can have a little sit down somewhere. You might have to fight someone for that seat at some point. But like, I think that's like, for me, their number one contribution to society. The fact that they are public space in, especially in London, public space that you don't have to pay to be in is so rare. But it's not public space though. It's not, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't think it counts. But it, it, it technically should be. I think that's like something that you write about quite nicely in this text. The fact that like, it should be better. You should be able to walk into these places and feel like a certain amount of ownership over them because they are publicly funded. It's ours, it's taxpayer money. Like they should serve the public. That's what their own kind of like justification for cultural funding. Like that's what their own like blurb says, like, they're there to provide culture as a, a form of public service, right? Uh, or like a form of public value, like culture as publicly valuable thing. And like they're public space, they should be. They're not for all these other different reasons. And like, you know, I imagine if you're, if you, you, you know, I imagine security guards might give you a hard time if you're like a certain type of person or, or like this happens to you out in wider society. Like it's not like a perfect neutral space, like, you know, the fact that they check your bags is a bit much because they're only checking some people's bags. You know, like that weird kind of chafing of like public space happened. But even when I'm like trying to figure out like a, even when I'm trying to figure out one good thing that museum, like one good vibe that they have, I'm like caveating it so heavily. You're just saying that you like chairs. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you're, you're just saying I like to be comfortable. <laughs> to be honest, like what you were saying then, it was making me think that if I was to write this text now, it might not be a condensed list of like all the bad things, but it might be a more generative, productive text, like how museums could be better or something to that effect to to flip the mood of it a bit and try and suggest things instead of just criticizing them but then as i say that the times we have written texts where we've tried to be well-behaved critics that give you the answers it's not like anything's ever been implemented yeah. so well, never mind i mean things like that like when we give people the answers when we do cheat sheets like that like ideas for a new art world the like the og text 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 i kind of even though i think people no one does it even though no one takes our ideas i still think it's an interesting way to write because it helps me think about what i want from like a an art space and i think then that helps me if i'm if i'm able to like figure out what I want it gives better shape to my grievances than just complaining you know yeah do you feel like that happened with this um at the time it wouldn't have been something that I would have thought about mm. it was just done it was a breakup letter mm. I'm writing about games now bye and now I think I would think about these things and stop to think what worth um what worth there was in putting my ideas out there for free. Gab, I give them all. I can't keep them in half the time. I can't. I, I don't give. Know how you do I, it. I'm the unsolicited opinion giver. That's our job. Hmm. Giving unsolicited opinions. Maybe it is. I get bitter though. I can't stop myself. I. You know, if people don't want to be fixed. Why would I tell them how to fix themselves? I'm a heckler. I think I'm a difficult person because I love giving unsolicited opinions. Like I really do. Like. Well, okay, let me frame this differently and this can be the gossip at the end of the podcast for people who stuck it out. That every single time we have been hired directly by an organisation or by someone to give them criticism, it might be a big festival or or a media-focused company in a, another country. Um... <laughs> raised eyebrows 
these places say we want to hire you to look at us specifically and look at us up close because we want to get better so please here's some money look at us assess us every single time that has happened and we've given our criticism everyone has kicked off about the criticism we've given so it feels like a lose-lose situation like it feels a little bit pointless to be honest we should probably just I probably shouldn't be thinking about this because either way nothing happens so I should just give it out give it out for free well no I think they don't they do go somewhere because people read the website like people read the website people have they don't go to the top because people at the top are like way too invested in this way of working I think when when I asked you should we like way 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 back in this earlier in this podcast episode if you're still paying attention I asked Gabrielle should we fix the bad vibes or should we just like put the whole museum in the bin and you were like put the whole museum in the bin when you said that although I agree with you part of me still felt like I'm like a just a junk collector I hate throwing things away that I just I'll keep cool (laughs) I keep cool packaging that I'll just and I'll keep it for like longer than I need to and when I throw it away I'll feel really bad like that's just me but so even though I agree with you I know that I would say the same thing when you said that I still felt like oh but like can't we have a go (laughs) but like you're right because even when they offer like they they it's not an unsolicited opinion they solicit us for our opinions they say we love what you do and it's not like you don't know what you're getting with us like we're gonna come in and we're gonna tell you our thoughts and they're not gonna be like oh you're doing such a good job unless you're actually doing a good job in which case like you're probably gonna be fine with hearing criticisms but yeah even when they solicit opinions there's always like the vague hope that someone's gonna say yeah you're good you're on track like all good no one wants to actually hear ways to improve as much as you say we really want to improve when you actually are given um examples and places that you can improve and reasons why that improvement is necessary and the ways that it could help it just kind of like it triggers this defensiveness and i think that's because this like system of like running a museum there is like one particular way of doing it right like and it's the way that everyone does it everyone does it and that that way of doing things is upheld by like professional standards like ethical um code like an agreement that like everyone has the same kind of ethical code like um things like diversity and inclusion commitments even like the like things like that inform the way museums run like hr that like the wider structure when people talk about like structural inequalities that's what they're talking about right like it's it can feel really abstract and like bizarre and like loosey-goosey like like hippie like oh my god structures what are they but that's what it is it's like um specifically hiring practices right the contracts you issue to people that's the structure like it's the nature of the relationships like the things that are nailed down and like the people that like spend their time within like within these structures if they don't like it and they take it to whoever's in charge i feel like that's like a personal affront you're in charge of these things whether you wrote those structures or not like i think you spend so much time kind of like at the helm of these institutions not to become like a museum director apologist but like just to understand the psychology (laughs) of it because it baffles me and i think you must get way too personally involved in like being the figurehead or like being in charge or like this being your job i think i think there's way too much like involvement basically people aren't really able when they're in that position at the top to step back and be like actually objectively this is not going well like what it like that must be what else could it be yeah is this off topic no i don't think it's off topic i think it just speaks to too many cooks too many cooks in the kitchen (laughs) and a recent example of this might be what's happening at the whitworth in manchester at the moment um Alistair Hudson has been forced out, question mark, question mark. (laughs) Because Manchester University have been listening to, like, a lobbyist group of Israeli lawyers that Forensic Architecture's exhibition earlier this summer had a statement in it that showed support to Palestine. The statement was removed at one point, then it was put back, and a few months down the line... um, this this has come out this this new story that Alistair's been asked to leave 
you know, this is what I mean about too many cooks, like the Whitworth is tied to the University of Manchester who have a say in who's at the, who's at the helm. And I'm sure like many visitors to the Whitworth don't quite realise that University of Manchester has so much of a hand in what happens in the space. And maybe that's true to other galleries as well. And I don't think that's necessarily something I picked up on in this Why Museums Above Vibes text from 2019 because, um, I don't know, I don't think I was as knowledgeable about that stuff, about how everything is linked. Um, and if I was to write about it now, it would it would have to be mentioned. If, if funders have this much of a say in the culture that we see or the culture we don't see, um, I think it needs to be spoken about more generally and you know we have quite a young audience of art students and I think they need to be the ones thinking about this especially more now yeah I hope that when visitors are going into galleries and museums they're looking at like the logos on the walls even more specific than that it's not just like the funders that have the logos it's like the with thanks to like and then the you know like on the exhibition wall like, like supported by and then a list of like donors even like that even becomes complicated when you like think about like on the subject of um Alistair Hudson and like the UK lawyers for Israel complaint and Manchester Uni right like on that subject like the people have known about like um like the Zabladovich collection like that them as funders problematic like outset outset um as a funder, like that, well, I suppose their logo would be on it, but like the Zabladovich collection wouldn't have a logo on it. Like it just kind of like things like that fly under the radar. And like the Sackler family that you actually mentioned in the text, like big donors with their big money. Like the, I, I think like, a huge part of the way that museums are so broken is because of the funding. And like, it, it is way too many cooks. Like the funding is like the most complicated part and it's getting more and more complicated after like 10 years of conservative government like those those consistent funding cuts are making like money way more complicated and it's like tying museums up to have to do like kind of financial acrobatics and make deals with so many different people and like agree so many things like just get co-signed away and it makes the work of actually serving the public a lot harder and I think the uh, with Alistair Hudson I think it's interesting to think about this text in right now because not only is it topical and like you know everyone wants to think about a topical thing news right but um I think this conservative government more than any other is way more invested in the culture wars right and I hate the fact that I'm not even using that phrase but that's their own language right like it's not just the Whitworth and Alistair Hudson it's also like um, wasn't the National Trust um, maybe last year or a couple of years ago there was like a whole hoo-ha about the National Trust losing their NPO status because they like I think one of the houses that Churchill owned had done like a little thing about the historic like the, the history of like where the money came from and it was like slavery right like of course always but like these historic houses that the National Trust own were like looking at the sources of like the money that like built them and like also exploring and researching like the links with colonialism like you know all these other things and like they were just like they, Tory government does not like no no none of that you're gonna lose your NPO status and I think that's part of the structure that's broken right like that's part of the it's also yeah like you know ethics codes like HR whatever like contracts but it's also relationship to government like the arts council is meant to be at arm's length from government but yet somehow like if an institution's npo status is being called into question that's fucked that's part of it being fucked because then government's imposing like a political agenda upon these museums that are meant to be neutral and that that say the reason why we're firing like alistair hudson whatsoever like whatever like all you know maybe not with alistair hudson but like the reason why you can't explore colonialism as like a thing that your house might be related to is because you're meant to be politically neutral but like that's an that's a political agenda whoever's listening to this god bless you for following my really obvious like, <laughs> really obvious trite thought that i'm telling you like breathless excitement but the obvious thoughts are useful to share that's what this text is 
um the the museums about vibes text like sometimes it's fine to just state the obvious mm. and speak with our nuance <laughs> i think it's useful just to collect those thoughts just so you can have them all in one text i think like a compendium a mic drop that's what i think this text is i think it's a mic drop but also just like a list <laughs> like just here is it all in like here it all is in one neat package sometimes i wish we had more of them to publish <laughs> and i don't write about art anymore uh so i harass arena instead to write them um, to write the obvious things, but Serena does have a tendency to write really complex, interesting essays instead. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Because I think I think I think to write these kinds of, these kinds of texts where it's like I, I'm I'm not saying like the ba- the bare basics in like a derogatory way. I think <laughs> no, but I think to like explain things simply, like you're taking all of these complex problems right you're explaining it really simply understandably and like manageably that takes actual brain cells that i simply don't have i think basically this is me saying this is why i think you're cleverer than me like because you've managed to do this i can't write like this i simply lack the brain power this is why you should start writing about art again so you can it's go- it's gonna happen. Ooh, I'm, I'm. I don't want to though. <laughs> you can you start writing about art again? I'm gonna review Super Mario Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> let's swap. <laughs> yeah, let's swap. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to the first episode of this new series that we're gonna do, where we revisit old white pew texts. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to find out more about the things that we've written, please visit thewhitepube.com. If you want to go a step further um, and review or rate this podcast, we would be very, very grateful. We're in the midst of trying to find a podcast sponsor at the moment. So the higher rated we are, um, or like the higher up the charts on the podcasts we are, the easier that will be. Um, if you want to go a step further than that, uh, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. You can give a pound a month and it all just adds up and that is our wage. Um thank you very much for listening and if you have an old white pew text that you'd really like us to revisit uh, just get in touch message us on something or email us info at thewhitepube.com and we will take it into consideration we've got a few lined up that we're going to do texts that honestly make me sweat but they are texts that also need an exorcism so we've just got to do it we've, we've got to push forward through the embarrassment and the controversy <laughs> um so yeah We will see you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.